Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the new media show. We are audio today only. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenling. Good morning, Rob. How are you? Doing fantastic, Todd. It's uh, it's different for us to be uh, audio only, but we're actually we're recording in this the Speaker Studio app for for uh, the desktop, so we're using that today. And I'm calling you via Skype, and I'm actually looking out the window at a cornfield. So I'm on uh, limited uh, internet while I'm here at my mom's house today in Michigan. And I oh, you're, okay, you're in Michigan. Great. Yep. And then I have, I drive out uh, Tuesday morning and go to uh, Columbus, and I'll be in our Columbus office all week with the uh, Raw Voice Blueberry team. So uh, awesome. Yeah, and uh, so anyway, enjoying the brisk uh, fall. Uh, weather, so uh, not too yeah. cold. Not too, it's nice. It's absolutely beautiful here. So, what's the agenda for you and coming out to Columbus? Is it just uh, to to meet up with the team? Do you do that on a regular basis? Yeah, I do it on a regular basis, but I'm coming to crack the whip. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure there's a no, it's, piece of it, you know, right? Yeah. It, it's no, it's you come out and hang with the team, and uh, you know, it's a lot. It's one thing to work remote, but sometimes you just got to go and be in the office and, you know, you just cover a hundred different things, um, you know, when you're you're face-to-face. So uh, uh, be there all week with the team. Mike Dell, our lead support man, sport gentleman, I guess, is coming down as well. So Mike and I will be going over some things and we're putting some training materials together. So it's, you know, it's going to be a very busy week. There's some events coming around here over the next uh – couple months with the podcasting space so things are still progressing and charging ahead but but i know that there's some some topics that have been bouncing around the podcast space the last uh last couple days uh you know with some big and small companies and some new things happening i don't know todd where do you want to start um well i guess first thing i just want to talk real quick about is i'm actually traveling with some new gear um that i'm oh, prepping for. Okay. yeah i'm prepping for you know, doing some new style content uh, on the fly, and uh, I've got a new Canon 80D and uh, a few pieces of small equipment that I'm I'm just doing some experimental stuff right now. It's truly experimental, but we'll we'll see how it goes. And I've got my Mevo with me as well, so I'm uh, going to be playing with that a little bit. But um, just trying to you know prep to do a downsize type of content coverage and not. To have to break my back carrying fifty pounds of gear uh, when I'm trying to cover a show, it it sucks humping that stuff. So the lighter we can go, the better. Well, and that's probably in preparation for the the Consumer Electronics Show coming up. Yep, yep, prepping for that and uh, trying to make sure that I can do interviews without you know necessarily having to have a you know someone there running the camera. So yeah, a lot of you know a lot of little experimentation going on on this trip. So we'll we'll see how it turns out. Okay. So what kind of a crew and plan are you shooting towards for the Consumer Electronics Show CES this year? I mean, what's well, the we're scale not, of it that you're doing? We're not doing a live booth, but they're giving us a working space to work out of. And uh, there'll probably be 10, maybe 12 tech podcast members at CES, and we're just going to you know, do what we do. But this, instead of being live, we're going to do little pop-ups, uh, kind of in re- almost the same type of these pop-up podcasts that we're going to talk about in a little bit. But yeah, we're going to do uh, 
uh, pop-up live events where we just uh, slap a stream up for 10 or 15 minutes or find something cool and you know just we're just going to have fun with it we're not going to I'm going to do interviews of course with with a lot of vendors but I'm not going to be tied to a studio so that's that's the main thing that's good you're going to be able to to roam the halls and put more miles on your feet <laughs> and when I and when I get sick of it I go to the hotel room and have a cocktail so um you know that's how I'm going to play it this year yeah that's great well, it's probably going to save you a, a ton of money I would think as well Plus yeah, about twenty. Gonna, yeah, about twenty grand. I'm going to save, <laughs> and and you're still going to get the content mostly that you're, um, you know, that you walk away from usually that you release probably over a six month period afterwards, right? That's usually within two months. But you know, like, here's okay. the, yeah. But you know, here's what has ended up happening. I've had since we've been doing live. I got stuck more and more and more in the booth and doing I you know I love doing the live but I just seemed like I never got to go too far away from the studio so for me it's going to be able to see the show again and uh get back to the roots of what we've done in the past and and if I walk out of the show with 40 interviews I'll be very happy you know we used to do like 220 and um you know while that was great from a volume standpoint uh sometimes we talk to people that we didn't necessarily need to talk to so I will uh I'll be seeking out stuff that I just I know that I'm interested in, my audience is interested in, and and overall, well, you know, even doing less videos will cut my budget down too because there's post production costs. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be more relaxed for sure. But I'm going, you know, that's just it. Well, after all these years, you probably have been able to to refine down what type of devices or uh, you probably have a feel for what what people will most likely be gravitated to on the. Um, on the on-demand side, right? So what type yeah. of gadgets and things like that. I mean, there's so many, there's only so many um, um, iPhone cases you can cover, right? And still right. build an audience. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, you, you don't build an audience off iPhone cases, but you know what? It really, Rob, I go back to a saying, you know, to what Andy McCaskey and I originally, yeah, you know, covered the show. Him and I said that the most cool stuff that we ever saw at CES was the guy that was in a 10 by 10 booth, maxed out his credit card he was there with his product to launch and uh, and we would discover them and and cover the content that you know gopro you know we covered gopro when they were in their infancy before yeah. anyone even they had no no one had a clue who gopro was and look at them now they're 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 a massive presence a huge company but we're going there to find the next gopro we're going and that's the goal is to find the someone that's doing something innovative um, the health tech space is crazy right now, so I'm looking forward to looking at that. Um, and you know, it, it's it's kind of weird. You st- I would have never thought about covering health stuff when I was when I was 40, but now I'm crossed over the 50 yard 50 year line, and now I'm like, well, that that health stuff might come in advantage for me here in a few years. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm interested in the health tech, but uh, yeah, there's going to be lots of cool stuff to see at the show, but. That's here and there about what's going on in the podcasting space. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess the Gimlet Media folks, what they they dropped the Sampler podcast, which is an interesting thing, which in in one way doesn't really surprise me a whole bunch. Um, you know, a podcast about podcasting doesn't exactly build a huge audience typically. <laughs> right. And and they this is you know this followed them dropping the a pretty big show. 
mm-hmm. um, was Mysterious. Oh, what's the name of the thing here? Um, they had dropped another show yeah. a couple of weeks ago yep. saying that the show was unsustainable. But, you know, well, you know th- they're getting the – Yeah, because, you know, it, 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 the show's got to grow. The show's got to be big. And those folks, you know, the the guy that was on the um, show that got uh, dropped, he was on salary. He was getting a check every – Every yeah. you know, every two weeks. So, yeah, um, Starly Kine, who is, um, you know, I guess was the host or whatever, the leader of the mystery show, is the one that got got dropped. Do you go from basically having a paycheck to being fired, and you still have a show? You got to figure out a way to monetize that. But he has, you know, I would think, you know, he's doing seasons with his show, and I, I'd be honest, I've never listened to his show. I just basically what I've read. Um, if he's got as big a following as he has, a big enough fan base, he should be able to turn on a you know Patreon campaign or something like that to be able to help sustain monetarily the show. I mean, certainly both of these shows could probably exist outside of the Gimlet Media, folks. I mean, that's what happens a lot of times. I know I went through this a lot with Podcast One, where. Uh, you know, Norm down there is looking for the big, you know, it's the one-hit wonder type of ideology. Yep. And then most of those shows, if if they don't pass the the scale test, um, then they oftentimes just move off the platform and um, and just go go solo, or they attach to another podcast network that's more open to a little bit smaller shows, and they can still exist and continue and. I think you see that happen quite often in the podcasting space mm-hmm. where big shows kind of maybe stagnate or they flatline or something like that, and the network will drop them, and then they'll just move on and host I, somewhere else. You know, I think a lot of podcasters would be happy for a, a podcast that flatlined at fifty thousand listeners. I, you know, I think uh, you know, you know, that's you know, that's you know, when a when a network drops someone and they've got a huge audience, you, you know, they're the majority of podcasters out there, they scratch their head and they're thinking, what in the hell are they thinking about? But if they're trying to grow a company and try growth, um, but yeah. I, I don't know. I, I guess also, too, is, you know, there, I think there could be a, a different way to run a, a, um, a partnership like that. If Midroll's got a big show yeah. and they've got someone on payroll, then, okay, you take them off payroll, but you put them on RevShare and yeah. you continue to produce the shows and do the ads. I, to me, I think well, it depends would... on on what the level of uh, funding that's coming from the the company. Maybe that show is so highly produced that it requires a pretty big staff. That maybe maybe the host can't can't by themselves sustain that staff. Uh, I um, see during during a transition, uh, and that's that's where it quickly gets back to the ability of the podcaster to to produce their show as low cost as possible. And, and that's yeah. one of the downsides of a lot of these type of shows is that they get a big source of funds. It's almost like a startup, right? A tech startup where they get a, get a big source of, you know, initial funding from a company like Gimlet or whatever to, to put some staff on the books for the show. And then, you know, before you know it, you're paying $10,000 a month in producer salaries to produce a show and if the show isn't isn't continuing to to grow to cover that cost, 
and and show a strong enough profit, <clears throat> then it's then it's likely to get cut, especially if there's a couple of shows in the pipeline that they think are going to be twice as big. Yep. That's what happens. You know, I saw it happen a lot in the past, and that's probably what's happening here with the you know with the Gimlet folks. So I don't know if the mystery show has moved on to a new <clears throat> platform or not. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I haven't heard, but it is a caution then for podcasters. You know, if you are, you know, if you're creating a show and you know your your per episode costs are escalating, then you really need to you need to really get that under control and try to build the build the podcast natively and not have to incur these big big costs. Because if a, you know if a if a mid roll or a you know, podcast one or Someone comes to you and says, "We want to sign your show for a year or two years." Um, you know, if that relationship sours, you definitely want to be able to, you know, recoup and be able to continue on without the partner. Um, yeah, or, and, and or we, you'll just have to scale down your production team, and maybe you, as a host, need to start doing some post-production on the program as well, um, and not rely so much on your production team to do all of the the promotion and all of the the post-production work on your program that's sometimes not possible because sometimes these hosts don't don't have those skills well we so, don't have to worry about that on this show rob do we no we don't no <laughs> there's not a lot of post-production on this program um, yeah if someone would like to volunteer and do the post-production, we'd, we'd love to talk to you. Well, there you go. There you go. But I don't even think there's a lot of pre-production on this show either. So I think we're, no, no. we're we, we, doing we, it. To, yeah. We pre-production, we pre-production meaning today was three minutes, I think. So Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Todd, what do you what do you want to talk about today? Uh, let's talk about this and talk about that. Okay. Recording. Yeah. When the news is slow, it makes it uh, harder for, harder to do the show. But luckily today, I, I've got a top of the hour hard stop, so we'll be saved by my hard stop and running out of content. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that is, uh, you and I talked about this, but there's an article on Podcaster News, and I'm going to have to ask uh, or go back and do some research. But as of iOS 10, and I, Rob, I think you may have been right. It may have been even iOS 9. But iOS 10 is allowing users to uh, delete the podcast app. So before, it was part of the base set. You couldn't delete it. Yeah. And app, Apple has made it optional again to delete the app. And uh, I'm saddened by that. Um, let's not advertise it. A lot of people think it's permanent. They won't try to delete it. Don't advertise that on your podcast. Podcasters keep that uh, on the down low. Um, but I'm sure that probably makes other iOS podcast app developers happy that, that it is possible to be deleted. So it gives their apps some potential to be uh, to yeah. be found and bought. Well, I think part of what's what maybe is driving this is, is the fact that I think on a lot of the older iPhones, a lot of the older phones were sold with only 16 gigs. And, and I think people are running out of storage on their, on their devices. And if they don't use an app like this, uh, for whatever reason, they haven't got got addicted to podcasts yet. Then that gives all those users the option to free up some space. Yeah, I know that I've had that problem with the the little iPhone that I have because I bought one with only 16 gigs on it too. Those get used up pretty fast if you have a bunch of apps. So that's the reality. And I know that probably Apple, 
I think is probably going to move beyond 16 gigs, I would imagine, in their... I think the base model's 32 now on yeah. the, the newest phone. Yeah. But anyway, that's one of the reasons that I thought that they would probably do this, uh, is to free up space for some users. Another thing that they were reporting on was Tascam has come up with what's called a mini studio. The interfaces are designed for podcasters. It's just a series of pieces of gear that makes it very, very easy to oh, yeah. uh, plug in a mic, plug into a computer. You know, basically, um, it's got some sound effects. It's it's a little bit of a, a producing studio. So uh, I don't know what the price on this is. I was looking for it. It's great to have a piece of hardware to do this, but um, you can do pretty much everything this thing does with uh, software now. That's so. true. Sometimes, though, it's good to have a – I'm very trustful of hardware when software sometimes yeah. uh, has a tendency to fail, but the software's gotten pretty rough. So the Tascam Mini Studio is available for purchase. The US 32 is 129 should sell. must be two pieces to oh, – the US 42 is going to be 179 So – um, it looks like a combo pack, uh, microphone, and Tascam's no different. Tascam makes a lot of good gear. They've been known in the past for coming out with some very awesome portable recorders. As uh, a matter of fact, they were known for portable recorders before uh, Zune was. Yeah, it does uh, uh, look like a fairly compact unit. Uh, it's very attractive looking. It looks like it's only got, was it have one input, two mic inputs? Uh, let me look. Maybe two, two mic inputs. I think you would want to have at least two on any at least, any of these yeah. type of devices. It looks like uh, it's really intended to be used with like a laptop or a desktop computer. Yeah, you know a lot of podcasters are solo, but you know everyone. And it, some shows do you know two hosts, but oftentimes the host is in another state or even country. And like you know, you and I are separated by you know you're on the west coast, I'm on the east coast today, so we're just using Skype into your speaker software. So. If you're lucky enough to have your co-host locally, or maybe it's your wife or your partner, then that's cool that it's got the ability to do at least two. This is a nice. It's a nice unit. I'm actually lo- looking yeah. at it close up with a, you know, a photograph, and it's it looks simple to use. I know a lot of mixers out there are complicated, and yep. I don't know if this thing is capable of doing a mix minus or anything like that. We've had some trouble with our mixer in the studio in Columbus, so I've got a mixer here. What I had bought the office originally in Columbus was a, a like a four channel mixer, and we basically have it set up so you can do two people in the studio and one person coming in via Skype. Well, I've got this massive mixer here that I use for CES, where we plug in you know multiples of hosts. So I'm, I, she says, do you have a mixer? Yeah, I can. A different mixer I can try. I'm like, yeah, you're gonna need to have another desk for this thing. It's massive. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm bringing an overkill thousand dollar mixer to uh, Columbus to put in our little studio. She's, she's gonna just look at that and roll her eyes. But uh, we'll we'll see if we can figure out what's what's happening. <laughs> yeah, this unit has a, I don't know, it looks like an aux in. It looks like for a mobile phone. Oh. That's cool. So, so it has it has the ability maybe to patch in a a phone call maybe. I'm not sure. Oh, that's interesting. So there's lots of cool gear options. Those of you that are listening out there, if you guys have got a cool setup, something you've rigged yourself, um, I know Adam Curry's working on a 
he's built his system and at some point it may become available for retail and when it does i'm going to buy it immediately because he's come up with the probably will be the ultimate podcaster solution but you know if you've rigged something up and you've got a cool studio send us an email and we would definitely link it up in the show notes on and what you're doing for your, for your studio configuration. It could be from the portable to a massive unit to something that fits in a you know in a handbag. It, it, it just it, we don't care. I'd like to see what your cool mockups are. Um, if you want to see what mine looks like, you can go to geeknewcentral.com forward slash studio, and you can see the studio that I use when I'm in in Honolulu and the gear makeup and the interconnects. Take out a mortgage for trying to duplicate yours, though. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's probably true. Um, yeah, if I had to build it all over again, I could probably have a bigger house. <laughs> yeah, I think you need a bigger house because of what you have in there. Yeah, that's yeah, that's actually been a discussion point here uh, this past uh, 24 hours. So Has uh, it? Okay. Yes, it has. <laughs> hey, there's a, um, this has been on the news and on Facebook a little bit. The democracy now has been... The pot, you know, that show's been around for a while, and the, and they started podcasting pretty early. And it, this is not a show that I follow myself. I'm familiar with it. They've actually been nominated a couple times for podcast awards and stuff. But their host and reporter Amy Goodwin has been charged with a crime after reporting on this uh, protest that's going on in North Dakota. And I don't know if you've uh, or know what's going on up there or not. Uh, yeah. But they've got uh, the, the tribe, the Indian tribe there, is trying to block a pipeline from coming across their tribal the, grounds. Their the tribal lands, yeah. Now I yeah. Saw, yeah, she got arrested for protesting with them. Yeah. So the standoff at Standing Rock, she was there reporting on it. But because she was rolled up with the rest of folks that were protesting – and uh, for those of you that aren't following what's going on out there, they've, they've got a right to say no, and they're basically being forced to take this pipeline regardless of their uh, territory standing. So it's it's a pretty shitty deal. But um, Well, from she, what I, I saw on the video playback of that is that the, the security um, company that the pipeline uh, building company had, had um, brought on the scene – Brought in a bunch of, b- bunch of kind of almost para, probably paramilitary type of folks that had had attack dogs. Huh. And the, that kind of sounds like to, what the that kind of sounds what the DNC did by hiring those attack dogs. Oh, yeah. Just another topic. <laughs> yeah, and they yeah. There you go. It's a little bit of a different uh, take on this, but they actually had real. <laughs> real real dogs real, real dogs that were attacking wow. the protesters that were actually peacefully protesting so wow. so they were taking a very kind of uh a, i don't know a very aggressive position with these protesters and and i guess a lot of there were quite a few protesters that actually got got bit by the dogs well this prosecutor is said he's treating goodman as a protester instead of a journalist yeah and that's why he's charging her with a crime so she's agreed to turn herself into North Dakota authorities to face the charges in court, but this could be a big one. You know, you've got so she's she works for she does Democracy Now, which I you know if you look at that history of that show, um, that's a that's like a sixty minutes or a oh yeah uh, Nightline. It's it's a well established journalist show. 
yeah. And if she's there reporting and she's in amongst the protesters, you know, reporters do that all the time. They, you know, they, they, at one minute they're talking with the protesters, next minute they're talking with the, the police or the other side, and you know, they're getting the story. But uh, so she's been arrested and charged as a, a protester versus a not being charged as a journalist. So um, this could have huge, huge precedent in terms of the First Amendment rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should probably watch this very closely. So, you know, if, if you're going to go, and this is something that's important, if you're going to be taking your podcast somewhere where the potential is to get arrested, um, you need to make it very, very clear um, either by – uh, getting yourself, they sell these online. You can find them. You can find a press jackets that says press on it. Um, if you're a small independent content creator um, and you have a company, you need to produce on letterhead um, that you are a journalist, even if it's from your own company and signed by you, basically you know, outlining that you're there covering stuff uh, just to protect yourself because if you're there with just a camera, or a microphone, and they start rolling people up because of the protests has happened in this particular case. Um, you know, you're you're on the hook for a charge versus not. You shouldn't be on the hook being there as a journalist covering that. Now, if you're there, there chanting and cheering and waving flags with the protesters, well, you're probably going to go to jail. So the key here is is uh, stay neutral. Um, at the best of your ability. Yes, I'm not sure what she's actually being charged of doing. Uh, This is um, she's being charged to to charge riot, a misdemeanor punishable by jail time and a fine, it says. So is that rioting during a protest? And also a notice of trespassing, I guess, also. From what I saw in the video, there wasn't really any rioting going on. I think it was all being promoted based on attack dogs and the protesters were trying to defend themselves from the attack dogs. Yeah. Um, that's the reality of it. And yeah. But if you are going to go into a, into something where a protest is going on and you're going to be there covering as a journalist, you know, you better not be carrying a protest sign. Yeah. That's yeah. probably, a, <laughs> you probably, you probably want to have a, you know, a, a vest or something like that that says media on it or right right you know or get a t-shirt made that says you know press media on it and wear that um and and you you might be completely and you might be completely sympathetic to the crowd yeah you know you you might be a hundred percent sympathetic but uh the time to be sympathetic is when you go back and get in the studio and you know you plead your case and talk about the what was going on and present the interview or whatever you were doing there. Um, that's the time because then you're away from the scene and you're not going to get rolled up with the, with whatever was going on there. So I haven't watched the video, so I probably should go do that. But well, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Amy Goodman has been arrested before. This isn't the first time that she's gone on scene and, and was involved in a protest like, like this. I mean, <laughs> she, she gets a lot of a lot of attention um, by getting involved in these kind of things, um, right? Because that's part of that that podcast or that show's brand. Um, it's it 
it's about exposing kind of what's what's happening kind of kind of behind the scenes i mean it's a pretty sobering show i've actually watched it off and on through the years and i've actually talked to their team over there back when i was working on zoom um so they they um they've built a huge distribution platform for that show too and a lot of people don't really totally realize that they've got they're on some a lot of they're on hundreds of public radio stations across the country and on a lot of uh, just regular commercial radio stations as well so they've got wide distribution and actually they do video too so they're on public access channels um, all across the country as well so they have uh, are they huge. pushing mostly democ- a democracy type of democracy under threat type of articles or is that yeah what well I mean it's 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 really a lot of the kind of news coverage that the the major media doesn't cover. You know, I, I, it covers a lot of news from around the world too, not just in America. It's it's about the struggle for democracy uh, out there and how how governments you know are kind of getting in the way. Of that it's not a conspiracy type show like an Alex Jones type of a program. It's more of of talking about um, you know important issues around. Um, human rights and and what's what's happening in various countries around the the world that the our media doesn't cover um rob rob our, our media yeah. doesn't cover stuff in the news oh yeah well there's a lot of stuff that goes on around the world that that we as americans never hear about and well there's a lot of stuff yeah. that goes on in america that we don't hear about too so well that's certainly an accurate statement as well um, and and that's also included uh-huh. here. But so watching this show can be a little sobering. I mean, it's it's not it, it's not one of those programs that it's like an you know it's like half kind of um, celebrity entertainment like you see with a lot right. of the the major network news broadcasts now that has those feel good stories. The, yep. the, the, the There are no feel good stories in democracy now. <laughs> these are these are actually oh. real hardcore news stuff that's going on around the world and actually it can be a little depressing seeing watching this show because it's so sobering to what's happening but anyway that's interesting yeah well anyway the digiday of course digiday is uh got a lot to do tie into the advertising scene um they're saying that the pop-up podcast which have proliferated during this election cycle the trump cast the clinton cast the uh, dumb, stupid uh, presidential election cast. Um, I, I don't know if that's an actual show or not. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's including a good, it's the, a good description of uh, many the, the, of them, the, I think. The Clinton News Network and the Trump News Channel, all that stuff. Um, anyway, they're saying that uh, um, that these pop-up news pass, podcasts are likely to become something that's that sticks around longer. I would think and so, yeah. So um, – so it'll be interesting to see what happens. And you know, you think about it. There's sometimes there's stuff that are topics that you know are only worthy of. You know, and I, I really discourage people doing these because they're very hard to ramp up and then you know walk away from. But you know, it's like a ten a ten episode or twenty episode or or twelve week uh, podcast uh, running a single series. You know, you, you it's just like you got to build, launch, grow a show, you know, and yeah. get everything done in 12 weeks. It's it's tough. But um, 
I guess we'll see if some of these new shows draw to a close on November 9th or if they continue on. Well, I mean, it's like doing a show on a trending topic. I mean, it's also this type of concept has been around around, you know, television series for a long time as well. I mean, they're there are topics that, that are hot for some period of time. And, it, and if you can find a topic like a Trump cast or something like that, that's part of the, the election cycle that seems to run on forever. Um, that's probably, that's actually a pretty good one to do, I would think. But if it's a, a very narrow niche trending topic that um, has a, a lifespan, that's just maybe a couple of weeks, it probably doesn't make a lot of sense to do, do a show. But if it's a, trending topic that's a big kind of trend and what's happening and it has like maybe a at least a year cycle of interest um it might be okay but it also brings up a point maybe there's some opportunities here for people to develop some shows that are you know trending topic podcasts and just have a podcast that does nothing but that i think what we'll see after the election no matter who wins i think we'll see civil war that'll probably be next yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Civil War is the next uh, trending yeah, topic, the, right? Next, yeah. yeah, again, doesn't matter who wins; it'll be either way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, anyway, but uh, these uh, these trending topic podcasts or pop up podcasts, I think it'd be better to call them trending topic podcasts. Matter of fact, um, that that's probably a good domain name to see if it's even available. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that there's probably an opportunity for a a network to to be be created that focuses on this, um, where where it has like uh, you know a content machine that's behind it that cranks out trending topic podcasts. Um, yeah, I don't think that there there is any out there yet that have formed around this concept. But um, and and maybe it shouldn't. Um, maybe what it needs to be done is it needs to be just out there for anyone to do. But um, and, and various news organizations um, take it on, but I don't know. It I, you know, like I, the thing about news, the thing about news organizations taking on, it's it's always going to have a news agenda. Yeah. You know, so you know, it doesn't matter if it's a right leaning or left leaning. They're going to have. It's going to be that leaning. It's. I think it's. You know, if you can develop a trending topic podcast that is. Um, just an opinion show whether in a you know maybe it'd be it would be good to have uh you know if you could find a a, a matching co-host that is passionate you know obviously you want to find your exact opposite if you're a if you're hardcore right or hardcore left you want to find someone on the other side and then you can have a trending topic podcast where you each just go to town on each other every week on a on a trending topic it doesn't have to be politics so it could be anything but mm-hmm. i think you have to have a dynamic team there that uh or at least one person willing, yeah. yeah. At least one person willing to play devil's advocate. Well, and it so. probably helped the Trump cast, uh, you know, which is a really good example here. Um, that the host of the Trump cast, Jacob uh, Weisberg, um, was a frequent um, guest on the Slate's program called the the Political Gabfest. Uh, it was a long running podcast. So, oftentimes, you know, these co-hosts of these bigger popular um podcasts that kind of spin off into these more niche topic programs is is probably not a bad strategy either um so you have a you know you build up your name and your your reputation on on another bigger program and then you spin it off into a a more targeted 
program. Um, so, so just so you know, the trendingtopics.com uh, domain is available for $12,000 for anyone that wants to go out there and buy that. Really? <laughs> yeah. Todd, are you going to sign up for that? For the trendingtopics.com domain? No, no. Yeah, but I, I will buy the, so. I would buy the trendingtopicspodcast.com domain for 99 cents, though. I, that, that might be worthy of, of, a, of a purchase. <laughs> hey, Todd, I wanted to ask you, too, about a topic. It's, it's not so much uh, entirely related to podcasting, but more about kind of the, the direction of technology. Um, do you think that we're, we're going to see apps in the web um, meshed together into one platform? I mean, as we look out to the future right now, we have people that are using the web and using apps, right? So we have this kind of bifurcated um, user experience that, you know, we're now linking to the web out of apps and, and apps are kind of, you know, becoming more, um, there's a concern around native apps versus the web and, and, I just feel a sense of pressure um, on both sides, the the web and apps, to become uh, one, uh, just for simplicity reasons for users. And if the HTML5 is capable of doing um, just about the same capability as native apps over time, if the coding can become a little more advanced, I know a lot of programming people have been wanting that to happen for a long time uh, for simplicity reasons. So you build one app and it'll basically work on any platform well i i I find it on a based on a platform when i'm on facebook i want and on my desktop i want to be on facebook.com i don't want to be on there i don't want to use an app but if i'm on mobile i want to use their facebook app but on the opposite token um i prefer using twitter.com on my mobile i'm not as because there's limitations on what i can do with the um, with the Twitter app, so it's it's I don't know I don't know if they'll ever mesh completely together. Um, I mean, I can see a, declines. Yeah, I can see an advantage to meshing this into one platform instead of trying to have this this really really bad user experience of of having um, in one company an app having capability that the web doesn't have, and the web has advantages that the app doesn't have you know this whole thing of a, you know a broken user experience um is what the, o- oftentimes happens with these uh between the app and the web i think the problem that you'll have is that um the the risk of leaving people behind that's i think the risk you run into um because not everyone has a smartphone so you have to be very careful, and also the cost to actually, you know, right now, it, it, you know, I can uh, for a buck a month, I can roll out a WordPress site, and um, you know, become my own publisher. And if uh, we add a component to where everything has to be tied to an app, I think then you start going in reverse, and it's a uh, it's a situation of the haves and have-nots who can afford to have an app built uh, based well, on the that's, traffic. That's part of what this would solve is that, uh, you know, it's it's not an app or the web. It's just one thing. It's a merged experience. Yeah. And I, and I think as you look at what our, our, our computing devices are starting to shape into is that I'm not sure that we're going to be 
um, viewing our our devices as phones or PCs anymore. I think they're just going to be mobile devices, and and so that distinction between a phone and a and a computer is going to pretty much go away. Um, where, um, well, you know, I I've tried to go on trips where I only use a tablet, and it's mm-hmm. just impossible. I end up back on my laptop because I just. You know, okay, but that's I, part of that's part of what I'm I saying. Know, I know, I know, I know. Those those distinctions uh, are going to go away. I think it's ultimately, I think Apple and Android uh, and Windows is already on this track of having one operating system. That it's not dependent on how big the screen is or this type of device or that type of I device. See. So yeah. having you know one kind of platform experience across all those devices is. Is compelling. I guess where where it gets complicated is where you see this, um, you know, what's what's the differentiation between these platforms? What makes um, iOS better than Android, and what makes Windows competitive with Android, or those kind of things? So each of these platforms is going to have unique capabilities to them. Um, but anyway, it's just it's just something to think about as you think about in the future what these platforms might be able to do. Because I feel like it's kind of broken right now. Yep. In the bigger picture? Yeah, and I think the only thing that we really didn't talk about was this new app called Bumpers for iOS. Oh, and it's yeah. a basic, it's another app that allow you to record a podcast on a uh, on a mobile device. But uh, the Spreaker app's pretty doggone good for doing mobile recording, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's exactly what we're using right now to, to record this. And, um, and then, hey... I wanted to also mention before sure. you take off, Todd, that uh, I've got a guest that's gonna that's gonna come in and join us next uh, Saturday. Are you gonna be home next Saturday? I'll be. F- can he come on Sunday? Because I'm flying on Saturday. Oh, you're traveling again this week too. Yeah. Coming week yeah, well, too. I'll, yeah. I, okay. I stay all the way. Yeah, that's what sucks. You go into if you want to go to Hawaii, you can't get there from the afternoon. You have to leave in the morning. So I I wanted to be in the office all the way through the end of business Friday. So I'm flying home on Saturday. Oh, you are. Okay, so the 30th is the next one. Okay. Yeah, will that work, or who, uh, who do you have on? Well, I, yeah, I wanted to bring on a person that's considered to be an expert in the the low-power FM movement out oh, there. Oh, that'd be cool. And to to come in and talk about what's, what's happening with that, because a lot of those low-power FM stations are getting up and running in, in cities all, all, all across the country, and most of them are are ramping up their podcasting efforts as a way to uh-huh. expand their content distribution. So I need some more stuff from my studio, so maybe he can tell us how I can get low FM going on in Hawaii. That'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's like a regular radio station. They have to be uh-huh. licensed by the FCC and all, all that stuff. So it's just a lower power, so it means that it doesn't have as big of a broadcast uh, radius. Um, but, but a lot of those, um, those stations are creating content that can then be podcasted also. Anyway, I need to go, but everyone, sorry, sorry for the short show, but it was kind of a short news week as well. But if you've got, uh, comments on today's show, you can send them to me, Todd at newmediashow.com or Rob at robgreenly.com or, yeah, or, or on Twitter at Rob Greenly as well. Yeah. So have a great trip there, Todd, and we'll yeah. we'll catch up with you Apologic. next week. Yep. Um, anyway, that's that's it. So everyone, thanks for being here on the New Media Show. We'll see you next time here on the podcast. Everyone, take care. Bye bye. Bye.